Hey there, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Packers in Law. I am Jake, the Packer veteran, here as always, and uh, let's talk about the playoffs, shall we? Uh, interesting, uh, crazy week uh, last weekend. Um, I'm coming to you on Saturday evening at the conclusion of the first two divisional round games, so we'll talk about those as well. Uh, I didn't get a chance to make predictions for those, although I'll tell you who I, what I thought was going to happen anyway. But let's start with the wildcard weekend, since that's what we last left left off on. Uh, so starting with Bills and Texans, man, what a crazy game. Looks like the Bills are going to come in and just steamroll the Texans and come out with their first playoff win since, I think, the 90s. You know, back in the Jim Kelly, the K-Gun era, the team that went to four straight Super Bowls. I think that's the last time the Bills have won a playoff game. I could be wrong about that. I think that's true. Uh, and then the Texans just remembered how to play football. It really, really is the best way to say it, uh, I think. Uh, then, the, of course, there was that spectacular, two spectacular plays really by Deshaun Watson. One was the touchdown run where he ran over two guys to get in. And then, of course, the, the play that really, you know, set up the game-winning kick when, um, uh, you know, he basically got sacked twice and somehow didn't fall down and then managed to hit a running back who then ran down to the, I don't know, the 10-yard line. Um, but boy, what a crazy game. First game starts in overtime. Uh, you know, but not, a, not a bad way to start the, um, the playoffs for the NFL. Uh, so the Texans advance. And then, of course, it would depend on who won the next game to see where they would play. And, hey, you heard it here first if you had listened to last week. But I said the Titans were going to – I thought they had a good chance to beat the Patriots. And they did. I mean, it was close till the end. Um Raise your hand if uh, you also thought Logan Ryan, after that interception, he should have just kneel down instead of scoring a touchdown. I was like, no, that gives the Patriots. If you kneel down, the game is over. You score the touchdown. Now the Patriots can run it back or do something crazy. Uh, I was a little frustrated by that because it's the Patriots, and you just never. It, it's not over until the horn sounds. You know, you know, you know what, Bill, what Belichick and Brady are cooking up on the sideline. Um, but yeah, Patriots couldn't stop. Uh, Derrick Henry, who had a monster game, had another monster game tonight that we'll just we'll talk about in a second. Um, and Ryan Tannehill did enough. Uh, you know, only 73 yards passing, so it's not like he really had to pass that much. But, you know, their defense is playing well. Uh, and especially knowing what we know tonight. And uh, we'll just fast forward a little bit. The Titans also won tonight. They beat the number one seed, the best team in the NFL really all season, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, they got the look of a streaky team on on them, so uh, yeah, they'll they'll go and play the winner of the Texans Chiefs game uh, tomorrow. So that will be that will be interesting to see if they can slow down uh, Derrick Henry. So on the NFC side of things, we had the Vikings playing the Saints, and you know I I said the I didn't see any way the Vikings were going to win this game. I thought the Saints would you know after the Minneapolis miracle and the close overtime loss they had last year that they would come out and just did what they did or you know did what they did to the Panthers last week you know come out and just put up points and uh you know and obviously the Vikings are a better team than Carolina but I thought New Orleans would be motivated enough to just destroy the Vikings now that they had a chance to play them in their own stadium and boy was I wrong uh you know it was a pretty close game throughout uh Minnesota hung around and never really lost hope and then boy that last drive um in overtime, that throw that Kirk Cousins had to Adam Thielen. I mean, it was a better catch, but both those guys just like, I mean, career best plays from them. A great, not a perfect throw, but a very good throw. I mean, from Cousins, he put it where only 
Thielen could catch it, and then Thielen with that adjust. I mean, that over-the-shoulder catch. You know, I'm not an NFL wide receiver, but I, you know, I played some football in my day, and you know, having to like look over your head and make an adjustment on a catch—that's probably the hardest thing to do, at least as a wide receiver. And you know, Thielen just did it perfectly and uh, set up the touchdown to Rudolph. So. You know, I gotta give the Vikings props. They came in there and they they wanted a place that's very, you know, hard to plan. Uh, also, in a uniform note for this game, this game could have looked much better uniform wise than it did. The Saints decided to go with their all white uniforms. Apparently, they wanted to wear their color rush uh, white and gold uniforms, but I guess they've already won those three times. And so the NFL said that's the limit; you can't wear them more than. And I know that that is a rule that I've heard about that you can only wear your alternates uh, three times a season. But it's the playoffs. Like, let them do whatever the heck they want. So they countered by wearing their road jerseys with their new pair of white pants, which, I mean, the pants don't even have stripes. I mean, like, at least, you know, at least their gold pants have black stripes, which I don't know. Apparently the Saints are very, uh, very, um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. They're not happy with their gold pants because they've only worn them twice in the last two years uh, early in the season. Uh, I don't know why, because I think, you know, the, the black jerseys with the gold pants, that's their best look. And they have worn that again. That's the only two times they've worn the gold pants in the last two years. Um, so the Vikings, interesting enough, decided to counter the Saints all white with all purple. Not their color rush all purples, which I guess they could have worn because they only wore them once this year. But they went with their, you know, standard home jerseys with their road pants. Uh, so it was all, so it was really uh, a game of the grapes versus the ghosts. And the grapes came out on top. Uh, but yeah, I give the Vikings credit. They went into a very hard place to play, and they won. So they they move on. Uh, and then the last game, the Seahawks and the Eagles. Uh, you know, the, really the the straw broke the camel's back for the Eagles. You know, they've been playing with all these injuries, and then finally Carson Wentz went out on a eh, questionable hit by Jadavian Clowney. I didn't think it was anything illicit or you know uh, of ill intent, but I'll never really know for sure. Uh, for his part, Clowney says it was not on purpose, but I mean, if he says it's on purpose, then he's obviously going to get in trouble, so what else would you expect him to say? Uh, but yeah, once Carson Wentz went out, uh, you know, you could kind of see the writing on the wall for the Eagles. Still put up a good fight with what they had, but they, I think they just simply ran out of gas um, and lost to a, a better Seahawks team who, you know, didn't weren't spectacular, but made enough plays. You know, DK Metcalf looks like a steal in the second round. He's had a good connection with Russell Wilson. And of course, Russell Wilson's got all that playoff experience. He's a good quarterback, so uh, so everything went the way I predicted, except for the Eagles. Excuse me, except for the Vikings and Saints game, uh, which of course they you know stole the road win and became uh, both six seeds one on one card weekend. So that was interesting. Uh, so the games this weekend, Vikings went to play San Francisco in the early game today. You know, I I was kind of tempted to pick the Vikings because they kind of you know. Six seeds, they get that first win. Sometimes they can go on a streak. Uh, you know, Packer fans, we, we should know about that from the 2010 team, you know, being the first six seed to win the Super Bowl. Um, but, you know, they just ran into a better 49ers team today. Uh, and actually, the, the Vikings, were, they lost by, you know, 17 points, which makes it seem like it wasn't that close. But, you know, the Vikings cleaned up a couple key mistakes, most notably the Marcus Sherrill's uh, fumbled punt in the third quarter. Boy, that was really a killer. You get us. It was third and one. You stop the. You know, you stop the 49ers. You get off the field, and then now it's the defense. You have to go right back on the field when your offense should be trying to score. That was a killer. 
Uh, I really don't think the Vikings were that far away in this game. Uh, you know, Kirk Cousins kind of had some some bad throws, and you know, I don't know if they stuck with the run game enough. I know that's hard to do once you're down big, but um, I don't know if, I don't feel like the Vikings were that far away. But you know, as is the case, they did lose. So the 49ers will host the NFC Championship game next weekend, uh, featuring either our Green Bay Packers or the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, and then, of course, in the night game, as I you know sort of spoiled it before, but yeah, the Titans came in and handled their business. Uh, they were up 14 to nothing against the Ravens. Uh, intercepted Lamar Jackson on his first drive. Had a couple, another interception. Had a fumble recovery. Uh, Derrick Henry had, I think, 195 yards rushing through a touchdown pass in this game. Uh, Tannehill also had a bomb, a deep bomb touchdown pass and a touchdown run. Again, didn't have over 100 yards passing. Because, uh, you know, once they got up, they said, feet, I mean... How do we not, how have we not all been talking about Derrick Henry this entire time? Like the guy is just I mean, he's this he's an anomaly. He's this very tall, large, fast man. You know, I it's like he's Jerome Bettis, but less bulkier and faster. And that, that's like how I that's how I can describe it. Like he just seems like a load. Like I would not want to get in his way if he's running full speed. Um But yeah, I mean Hats off to the Titans. They uh, they knew what they were doing. Um, they came in with a game plan. They shut down the best team in the NFL. You know, they, they kept Lamar Jackson from making a bunch of plays until the game was kind of already out of hand. And, uh, yeah, now Mike Vrabel looks like a genius for going to uh, Ryan Tannehill, I think, in week seven or eight. Um, you know, this is a Titans team that with Mariota, they didn't look like a playoff team. So... Yeah, I gotta give a lot of credit to Mike Vrabel. And can we just talk about Ryan Tannehill for a second? I know this is not a uh, Titans podcast, but I, I just want to talk about Ryan Tannehill because, you know, the guy has definitely not lived up to his draft position. You know, he was drafted in the first round by the Dolphins in, I don't know, 2012, maybe somewhere in there. Um, and, you know, the fact that he hasn't had success in the league, I mean, he's had, you know, okay years, but he's never been like a lights out guy. The fact that he hasn't had success has always kind of confused me I guess is the best way to say it because if you were a scientist and your job was to go into your laboratory and make the ideal like physically the ideal NFL quarterback you would pretty much make Ryan Tannehill I mean the guy's six foot four he played wide receiver in college until he switched to quarterback I think his junior year at Texas A&M but you know he played wide receiver he's fast he's mobile you know and the thing that really gets me on him is that you know obviously he's had accuracy issues throughout his career but, boy, he throws the deep ball easy. Like, you know, there's quarterbacks like, you know, Phillip Rivers or uh, Cam Newton, among others, who it's like when they throw the deep ball, you can tell because they're just, like, putting every, you know, bit of arm muscle into that throw. I mean, Tano goes back and he, you know, throws the ball 50 yards through the air and it looks like he's throwing a, you know, 10-yard out pass. Like, the guy has just just makes it look so simple. Um, so, I mean, he's always had obvious talent, but it's just I don't know if it was the culture in Miami or if he's never – you know, fit the system down there, or if they, you know, maybe he was just overwhelmed by the South Beach lifestyle while trying to be, I, I don't know what it is. I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm happy to see him, you know, obviously he's not lighting it up in the playoffs, but, you know, he was, he did light it up in a couple regular season games uh, down the stretch for the Titans, so it's it's kind of nice to see somebody with that kind of talent actually has some success. Um, and plus, and, and as somebody who's been as much maligned as he has, um, it's just nice, you know, so I'm actually really... I'm, regardless of who wins tomorrow, I'm rooting for the Titans in the championship game. 
because uh, I don't know, they seem like a team of destiny right now. So that brings us to uh, the last two games that will start tomorrow. Uh, obviously, as I said, the te- Texans and Chiefs, which now whoever wins that game, because the, you know they're both higher seeds than Tennessee, uh, whoever wins that game hosts the NFC Championship, or sorry, AFC Championship game. Um, you know, you, you look back to Week Six and the you know the fact that the Texans just absolutely rolled up on the Chiefs. I think they had like 465 yards of offense. Uh, you know, game was never really. I mean, the Chiefs got to a lead, but the Texans kind of took control, um, and that was an arrowhead. So. I don't know. I feel like the Chiefs... I, I got to give this to the Chiefs and to Andy Reid because I think he's a much better coach than Bill O'Brien. But, you know, the Chiefs have had a history of, you know, one and... I mean, they lost to the Steelers one and done. They couldn't get it done against the Patriots, even though they probably should have. You know, if uh, if, the, if that guy doesn't line up offside on the game ceiling interception, that, you know, the Chiefs probably win that game. But uh, I'll take the Chiefs, but I think it's going to be a, a high-scoring, fun game to watch. And that, of course, brings us to the nightcap tomorrow. At uh, I think it starts at like 5.40 or some unreasonable time like that, but it's the Packers and the Seahawks in Lambeau. Uh, so once again, these teams are meeting in the playoffs. Of course, the last time they did, we all know, probably the worst loss in Packers history. Uh, so on, on YouTube, there's an NFL throwback channel, and uh, they, they, they show old highlights from, you know, older games, and so they've been showing, like, the last time the pack the 49ers played the Vikings and such. So they, they, they have a 20-minute video of the highlights from that NFC Championship game. And I had never gone back and watched that game in its entirety because I just, you know, obvious reasons, it hurts. It, it just hurts. Uh, and so I decided, okay, I'll go back and watch. And, gosh, the Packers were so on top of that game. You know, there were a bunch of missed opportunities. Like, on the I think it was the first or second drive uh, when they were, you know, by the goal line, you know, Aaron Rodgers had Jordy Nelson wide open on an out pattern, and he just threw it a little bit too far. You know, if he catches that, the game's totally different. And just so many other little things, of course, you know, Clinton Dix not stopping the two-point conversion. Obviously, Brandon Bostic not messing up the, you know, onside kick. Um, boy, you just, you know, the game is 19-7 to with five minutes to go, and you look at that, and you just say, there's, like, how do we lose? How? How do the Packers lose this game? Um, but boy, you know, if you, if you haven't watched, it's it's twenty minutes. It's basically all the big plays. You don't have to sit through like an hour, two hour long, whatever broadcast. Um, I would encourage you if you're a Packer fan, just go watch it. Just just take your medicine and watch the game. Put it behind you. Uh, it won't hurt too bad. It will hurt, but not that bad. Um, so coming into this meeting, you know, Seattle's pretty banged up. Uh, the Packers are pretty healthy. Um. Kenny Clark is questionable with the back injury. That was the most notable injury I saw. Um, so that's not great, but hopefully he'll be able to play. Seattle, though, they've got a bunch of linemen questionable. Obviously, they don't have Chris Carson or Rashad Penny. They're two top running backs. Um, I think this health-wise, this game leans very heavily in favor of the Packers. It's also supposed to be pretty blustery. Uh, apparently, there's a snowstorm hitting Green Bay tonight. Um Saturday night as I'm recording this and uh, apparently they need like 300 shovelers to help clean the stadium tomorrow uh, so it's going to be cold, it's going to be snowy uh, it's going to be basically perfect NFL Lambo, you know, football playoff weather so uh, hopefully the Packers can use that to their advantage um, and you know I know there aren't, aren't that many players left from that uh, that team in 2014 that are still on the team now probably just Aaron Rodgers and Tremont Williams I guess 
Um, but let's hope that those guys, you know, tell the other team what happened or tell the rest of the team what happened that day and that they can, you know, be motivated to get some revenge for that, that just that gut-wrenching loss uh, to Seattle back in 2014. And then we come to what I think is the most important uh, thing I'm going to tell you in this podcast today. The key to this game. Uh, is gap integrity. I know with the the Smiths and with, you know, Kyler Fackrell and, you know, Rashawn Gary and all these people we have, we love to see the Packers, you know, just getting after the quarterback. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we got to have a contained pass rush. We cannot open up gaps for Russell Wilson to just run, take off and convert, you know, third and tens and second and fifteens and all these other ridiculous downs that he seems to convert with his legs. Do not let him escape. Keep him in the pocket. You know, when he gets outside the pocket, he's just like Aaron Rodgers. He, you know, makes things happen. Uh, you know, still rush and still be furious with the rush. But don't, you know, overextend yourself and let him just take off off the field and get a bunch of yards. That, to me, is going to be the key to this game. If the Packers can do that, they will win. If they are not disciplined in gap integrity, they will lose. That's that's what I think is going to happen. Uh, as for the game itself, I'm going to take the Packers to win. I think they will be disciplined. I think Mike Pettin has the defense playing well. I think they're going to win 24-20. to 20. It's going to be close. These teams are obviously big rivals. But I think the Packers are going to win, and they will go to San Francisco next weekend to play for the honor of playing in, uh, in the Super Bowl against the 49ers. Uh, so if that happens, we'll talk about that next week. Uh, so that's the episode for this week. Of course, uh, you know, we can find us at packtothefuture.com. It's a Packer fan site. Go there and check it out. Uh, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Email us, packersinlaw at gmail.com. And go Packers, and we'll talk to you guys in the next episode.